to welcome you to the Progressive Commentary Hour. The theme today, we're looking at the individuals who are standing up and saying that if you're a groomer, we're going to expose you. It's enough is enough. My guest, Jamie Mitchell, is the founder and president of the nonprofit organization Gays Against Groomers. She's being joined by her fiance and organization's executive director, Sasha Lee. And we're going to go to them right now. Nice to have you with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Gary. Since you are a relatively new organization and the majority of listeners right now will be unfamiliar with the Gays Against Groomers mission and goals, perhaps is a good place to start by having you each share your own personal experience about what has happened within the LGBT community in recent years, its politicalization and what led you to realize that the sexualization and indoctrination of children on gender issues was simply wrong and leading the nation's youth, many of them, we're not talking about a few, in the terrible direction. And then second, would you, uh, when you founded Gays Against Groomers, what were the primary issues you wanted to address and what goals did you set for yourselves? The form is yours, take your time. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, so I launched Gays Against Groomers in June of 2022. Uh, you know, myself, like everybody else, was seeing the flow of horrific videos coming in, um, you know, online with child drag shows and seeing the content that was in schools being taught to children and seeing children, uh, you know, getting quote unquote gender affirming care. Um, which, as you stated very, very concisely, uh, that they're just too young to understand intellectually what that means. No child can make a permanent decision, um, especially that leaves their bodies disfigured and um, them chemically castrated, essentially. But we can get more into details about that later. Uh, so I was seeing the uptick in all of this these horrible things happening, and they were happening in my name, in the name of my community and i knew that the majority of us did not support what was being done uh you know it's the fringe minority that is pushing this within our community and they also have the backing of every major institution in this country supporting them and also pushing it uh that is why they are so loud and visible but i knew that the majority of our community was against it and we just didn't have a unified voice to be able to voice our dissent essentially and push back against it um, I knew that parents' voices and just straight people in general, their voices were uh, silenced. They were instantly written off as homophobic and transphobic and bigots, and they still are. Um, I believe even the people that call them those things know that isn't the case. Um, this has to do with children. The majority of this country, I would say well over 95% of the country has gotten to the point where they just don't care what consenting ad adults do with their lives. You know, we won the hard fought 
uh, battle for our equal rights to have the same rights as every other American under the law. And as far as I'm concerned, and everybody in Gays Against Groomers, we should have packed it up and gone home then, but that isn't very profitable. So I created the organization in hopes to, you know, band together with like-minded LGB and T individuals. We also have trans people in our organization, um, you know, that that are disgusted by what's happening. And honestly, our I've always said our mission is twofold. It's to first and foremost protect children, but also to reclaim our good standing in society and differentiate ourselves, just, just people that want to live their lives that happen to be gay or trans um, from the people that are seeking to destroy children because the backlash is happening against all of us. Um, it's been growing for a while now and it's it's going to continue to grow until they leave children alone. So. That's our message, that's our mission. Um, and I'll let Sasha speak on it. Yeah, you know, hearing about when we first started Gays Against Groomers, all of these stories started coming out about, you know, children who were transitioned, went under surgery, put on medications, you know, at 12, well, actually puberty blockers at like six years old, seven years old, and then surgeries at 12, 13 years old and hearing these stories and hearing others um in our community talk about this and you know when these kids grew up they regretted all of their decisions and are now suicidal and having a whole multitude of, of medical problems and issues um, from their decisions that they made at you know six years old and just hearing these stories um has been so heartbreaking and I knew that I couldn't just sit back and keep allowing this to happen um, in our community. And, you know, we have trans members and detransitioners in our organization who speak out against this. Um, it, it's just so heartbreaking to see, you know, all of these different me medications and drugs that are being, being given to children. And, you know, we don't know what that's going to do to them. And we have so many cases of proven um you know suicide stories or medical complications that are happening every day and these people are coming out to speak about it so you know we just couldn't sit back and and have this happen anymore good for you i appreciate both of you having the courage to go forward because it's not without risk i'm sure that you've gotten a lot of negative feedback and have been called all kinds of names but where are the civil conversations? For example, I'm in the science field. I'm a scientist and I work with people. And before we advocate something for someone, we have a moral responsibility to see do no harm. And when I challenged uh, some of the people who were saying, well, you know, it's just some drugs are all safe. And I said, all right, who said that they're safe? Right now, I can show you the scientific literature for the last 40 years, this synthetic hormone replacement therapy given to over 10 million women a year increased the risk by 13% of heart attacks, stroke, breast cancer, ovarian cancer, colorectal cancer, and dementia. That means that each year we are sacrificing 1.3 million women to damage or death due to something we believe is safe, but the science, the government's own science shows it's not in numerous other studies, but the medical community won't change. It's too profitable. 
And so right now we have all these hormone blockers and hormone instigators in the body. We know that from athletes who've used hormone replacement therapy, that it's caused a huge increase in biochemical abnormalities, including cancer. Very famous athletes have died from the overuse of these. And now we're giving them to a child whose immune system, whose bone structure, whose body has not even fully developed, assuming that it's gonna be necessary for them to take them for the rest of their lives. So I'm appalled at the fact that proper public health science has been slapped aside. And now there's a whole industry, and it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Your thoughts on that, please. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely horrific. It's very, very uh, aggravating. It makes my blood boil, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I don't think many people know that the main puberty blocker given to children, um, prepubescent children, so clearly still developing, um, is called Lupron. And Lupron is a drug that has always been given to sex offenders, pedophiles, to chemically castrate them, adults, obviously. Um, and you know, you you spoke very well on on the side effects, and those are on adults, you know, and and I don't think that adults are even given this knowledge. Uh, I don't believe that doctors are telling them when they go into the into their office about all these risks, um, and and for them to not bring this up to children or to parents is criminal. I truly believe it's criminal. I think that these people should be in prison. I think that they should be sued you know it out of out of work um and we see that happening now with cases like uh chloe cole and prisha uh i forget her last name but these are both detransitioners who transition medically as children who deeply regret it now and they're suing kaiser permanente for what they did um they, they have lifelong ramifications and you know let's say let's say a child does want to be trans as they grow up they are being put on a, a a path of lifelong medicalization at a very early age we don't know the long-term side effects that these will have you know it's just it's it, children are young and innocent and developing for such a short time i don't understand why it's even up for debate that they should wait just until they're consenting adults. I, I, you know, the, the brain isn't even fully developed until 25 years old, um, but you're a legal adult at 18. Me personally, I think it should be 25, but you know, you're an adult at 18 in this country. So I, I don't understand why there is so much pushback um, and even violence now from these radical trans activists. Uh, it's just, you know, they they call us a hate group, but I think you really have to hate children to want to do that to them and destroy them like that and set them up for a lifelong, uh, a lifetime of medical complications and, and even worse, um, them wanting to commit suicide, which is very prevalent in that community. I'm going to take it just to, to an aside for a moment, because after the 1991 war in Iraq, remember we had two wars, 1991 and again in 2003. People have forgotten 1991. I haven't because I started to see all these people coming into my office, young people in their 20s who had Gulf War syndrome. And yet they were told by the, there were hearings in Congress, they were told by doctors and scientists, you weren't exposed to anything. And yet their blood showed squalene and they were exposed to experimental vaccines. But they were told by the FDA, Everything is safe. Don't worry about it. Turns out 
that 74,000 of these GIs were given an experimental uh, vaccine with a super booster. Squalene is makes whatever's in the ingredient list super potent. Now, what were they given? They were given botulism. They were given anthrax. But they were told, don't worry. And they were given 10 other uh, substances. So in effect, they suddenly had their whole biology taken over. And yet then they denied, and that's the bad part, they denied that it was due to the chemicals they were given, because some people suffered um, Gulf War syndrome even before they went to the Gulf. But then I had people come in who said, we were exposed to biological weapons. We'd hear bombs go off, and suddenly you'd see a yellow cloud, and then our skin would start to burn, and the next day guys in hazmat suits would come in and scoop up the sand and bulldozers and say, this didn't happen. And the government knew this. Schwarzkopf, who was leading that in Colin Powell, knew this. So finally, I did a series of documentaries, Gulf War Syndrome, Killing Our Own, and uh, also some articles. And then Dr. Nass came in and Dr. Garth Nicholson and said, yeah, these people were experimented upon. So we have a history in the United States of elements within the government and the military industrial complex who have used human beings as human guinea pigs. So oh, yeah. if they're if they're willing to do that, and we have records of it, and they later had to compensate, just like Agent Orange in the Vietnam War, causing all forms of problems with uh, uh, 245D, why would we assume that now, for the first time, the government and major industries are going to say, no problem, there's nothing to worry about, it's safe, and oh yeah, you can reverse whatever you want later in life. You can't reverse these things. The surgeries you can't reverse. Why not just let a kid be a kid? When you were growing up, when I was growing up, we could be kids, right? If you wanted right. to feel that you were more masculine or feminine, you could do that. Let your hair grow, put on dresses. Who cares you're a kid, right? And exactly. now the first time someone says, mm, yeah, I, you're not the right sex, let's change that. And now you've got a whole movement of people, of parents who are agreeing with this. And finally, I believe it's time that we stood up one last thing. I've been a huge supporter of the gay community throughout my broadcasting career in Manhattan and around the world for almost over a half a century. Now, during the 1980s and 90s, I worked very closely with AIDS patients and founded a medical facility, the Tri-State Healing Center in New York. For 15 years, it was there. We provided free care to all people who came in with AIDS-defining illness or HIV infections. Over 2,000 people, not one died. Everyone regained their health. And in spite of what we were doing to help people, um, the larger scientific community refused to accept that this was legitimate because it wasn't medical. It was more natural, like intravenous vitamin C and changing the diet and helping to rebalance a person's immune system. But we did it. I had a medical staff of 22, board-certified physicians and nurses and nurse practitioners. We did it. We did it the natural way. So I'm suggesting why don't we try to understand what it is to be the child who transitioned early by encouragement and pressure from peer-reviewing parents and then found out this doesn't make me happier. As you mentioned earlier, some of these people commit suicide or think of suicide. And why don't we bring these people forward in congressional hearings with your group and say, unless you're allowing these people to speak then all you're doing is propagandizing 
and you're not allowing a fair and open discussion of this. And uh, I, I even remember the New York City uh, Pride uh, Parade arrived annually. And it was the traditional gay community that organized it. Great. And recently, when the parade resumed after the pandemic settled down, at least from my own perspective, I noticed there were few or no traditional gay men even on the uh, uh, even on the praise organizational committee. It was run by all these other genres, uh, which, quite honestly, I don't even know how to properly define them. I have to admit some ignorance. Um, so all these new genres, my God, there's so many. And, and everyone says, well, I, I'm this and that's what I am and that's it. And I'm trying to think, whoa. But now they're denying biology. Students are being thrown out of class, expelled from the school if they say there's male and female. And people say, no, it's whatever you want to be. And one of the people who has stood up like you have, and boy, did she get attacked. She is not only a leading lesbian, she's a leading feminist in Great Britain. I'm sure you've seen her at the uh, Oxford Union debate, where when she left it, outside were hundreds of people wanting to hurt her. They were yeah. chanting death threats against her. So she had to have police guide her out. And now she says she was fired from a tenure position. And yet other lesbians in Great Britain and in Australia have come forward saying, hold on a second. You have no right to say what I should call myself. I'm not a trans woman. I'm a woman. I, I'm attracted to women and that's my right. And we fought for that right. And I'm just a human being, a sacred soul, just like you. Now, if you want to call yourself something else, that's okay. But don't try to control my pronouns and don't try to attack me. And that's what they're doing. So I see a lot of lesbians and a lot of gay men being attacked simply for accepting that they're gay. And why shouldn't they be accepted? And now there seems to be a group, a small group of people, very strong activists who've targeted you and won't let up, and the media is on their side, and the government seems to be on their side, who's on your side? Could you address this, please? Um, wow, yeah, so <laughs> that was a lot to take in, but I, I loved hearing all of that, and thank you for you know supporting the gay community, because the gay community now is under attack. Uh, it seems that we're pretty low on the totem pole these days, on the woke totem pole. Um, there are many of us that are being told that you know, being me being a lesbian and wanting to only be with biological wom women, well, in one case, just one woman <laughs> is transphobic. And it's like this whole thing is very crazy. But uh, the people on our side, we actually have a lot of people on our side. And I think, um, you know, we've grown to nearly I think we're almost at 800,000 followers on social media um, in a little over a year. And uh, I'd say the people that support us the most are the parents. Um, we also have support from massive support from in our community. We have so many people that email us every day that are gay um, or even trans. And they say, you know, I have been so ashamed of my community. Uh, I, I have not gone to pride in years because it's become really a degenerate uh, display of sex. And now children are involved and encouraged to go. Um, so we have tons of support from them thanking us, um, giving them something to be proud of again. Uh, 
But yeah, our our support is very strong and very widespread. I, I believe this is the most uniting cause on earth and it should be. This shouldn't be a political issue. You know, we're often written off. Our Wikipedia calls us a anti-LGBT far right organization. And that is just the most insane thing to me. I gen like, I can't believe it. I, I don't think anyone really buys it. It's just very sad that this is what we're dealing with. Um, because this issue, we are not political. We're apolitical. Um, we don't believe this should be a partisan issue whatsoever. It's literally a human rights issue. And it's about the most vulnerable and innocent among us. Um, the red line has been crossed by the so-called alphabet mafia. That's what I call them because they're militants. You know, they're a militant group um, seeking to destroy women and children our focus is only on children but you're very right about the the uptick uh the you know women women uh rising up against this insanity um as well so yeah i you know it's it i knew getting into this when i created the group that it was going to be a uphill battle i knew that we were going to get slandered and and that a lot of people were going to come out and try and shut us up and i they do that because we are the most effective voices in this battle like I said, they can instantly write straight people off as homophobic and transphobic, but they can't really do that to us, even though they try, like I said, with our Wikipedia. Um, so they're terrified of us and they should be. Um, you know, we've gotten, we've had a hand in 20 states passing child protection laws, which these activists say are anti-trans, but they're not, they're pro-child protection. Um, and so they should be very scared of us. And our support is growing every day. And no matter how many times they try to cancel us, it's not going to work. And we're not going anywhere until this this evil agenda is uh, destroyed. And it will be. It will be. We, we have a long way to go still, but it will be. You have a silent majority in the United States. The vast majority of voters are independent. They once believed in the Democrat or the um, the Republican and conservative causes, but they were misled over the decades by the leaders of those different groups. So they just either stayed out of elections and now they're rethinking their vote can count if they vote for the right things at the state level, etc. So now suddenly parents are leading this fight also in the schools by saying, here's a book and without exception in every case, when the person starts to read from a book that is in the library that the children read, the school board says, no, no, you can't, you can't use those words. Well, if you don't want me using the words, I'm reading your book that is in your school for my child. And if you're offended by it, why do you allow it in the school? And I didn't know my child was reading this. So parents are standing up. And what does the establishment do? It makes anyone who stands up and speaks out at the school board meeting into a domestic terrorist and put on an FBI watch list. Well, that's not cool. And that's why I believe at the federal level, we have to get new people into office who will completely deconstruct these institutions because I don't trust any of them. Also, um, you have people out there and someone just sent me a, an email by, I believe his name is Jeffrey Marsh. And I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And he's mm -hmm. got like 15 million followers and he's talking uh, to the children about how he loves them and trust him and how not to talk with your parents, that you've got secrets to keep these from your parents and he will help you in, in what you're doing. And I'm thinking 
you're telling children not to talk with their parents. Schools are now saying, when we're helping groom you, don't talk with your parents. In the state of California, they passed a law. Not surprising, it's California. And now, if you can make it to California, your parents cannot come and get you. They could be arrested. That, and since when did we get to a point where parents don't count, but groomers do? Mm-hmm. When kids are not there to get a critical education in life to help them, but rather to be propagandized. And how is it that this Marsh is so popular when you look at what he's, listen to what he's saying, I don't care how he looks, you know, but you can put up all the makeup you want in the world on and a wig and anything else or, draw, you know, draw yourself into the feminine mystique, but you're still a biological man. And also, what about all the biological men that are competing against women in women's sports? Now, I'm a fem- male feminist. I, in fact, I co-authored, I was the senior author of the most definitive book ever written on women's health, 1,600 pages, a national bestseller with, with the second generation's major, uh, major feminist. And uh, we went around the country on tour, we on PBS, etc., and we taught people how to take back their health Well, now I couldn't do that because they've captured the media. They don't want your message, my message getting out. Okay, there are other other platforms we can use, but their message is, you know, if you challenge anything that is done by a child, then it's your wrong, the parents are wrong, the school is right, the teachers are right. And I'm saying, this is crazy. Your thoughts, please. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're basically saying that if you don't believe a a child that you're homophobic, transphobic, a bigot, and Mm -hmm. it's just not the case. They just, you know, you you as a parent need to know what's going on with your child and, you know, doing taking different steps to do the right thing for them is not transphobic, Um, not taking them to immediately get on medication and surgeries. You know, that's that's considered transphobic if you don't do that. Jeffrey Marsh, um, he is literally doing what we call the definition of grooming. He's taking, speaking to children, telling them to isolate from their parents, telling them to keep secrets from their parents, telling them to trust him so that he can indoctrinate them and tell them things that they're too young to hear or know about. It's literally the definition of grooming. Um, Parents should be aware of everything going on with their child at all times there's never there is no other scenario that a school would keep information from their parents you know if the child is going through some type of mental health if the child is failing the child is gifted the child is you know whatever issue it is parents are never left in the dark so the fact that if a child to transition a child be behind their parents back is just disgusting and you know there's been cases um of children you know go, there was a there was actually one case of a a child found in the school bathroom trying to commit suicide the school was socially transitioning her 
without the parents knowledge and she would go home and you know live a double life if that those parents would have known they could have took her to therapy and proper treatment but instead they didn't know so we're by not telling parents you're literally keeping these children from getting proper help getting therapy um whatever they need you're literally keeping that from them as a teacher you can't take them to therapy you're they're not therapists um so how are you helping you know these kids it's it's really disgusting it's very scary uh and, and back to jeffrey marsh you know it's 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 disgusting these are the kind of people that are platformed and praised in our community you know he's written a book he's been on every talk show cnn msnbc abc the mainstream media adore this man uh but he is the definition of a predator a child predator it's and and honestly it's cult tactics 101 right turn the child turn the child or the person against their family uh put distance between them so you can come in and be their new family um it's it's very scary and and it you know it's funny gays against groomers got kicked off TikTok after one video but jeffrey marsh is on there with 15 million followers um so these are the priorities in our country right now and you know, a lot of people are associating all of us, all gays and lesbians and trans people with what is happening. But I want people to understand it is there are people like the people that run TikTok and platform Jeffrey Marsh. They're not gay. I mean, I don't think they're not part of the community, but the, there are these nefarious industries and executives that are pushing this agenda and using us kind of as the sacrificial lambs to be thrown under the bus when all the people, you know, turn against us for this. Um, and and we have had enough of it. And that's why we're speaking up so much, um, because these children are in danger. Literal predators are being promoted. Um, and and uh, even in the schools, you know, a, a parent should be able to trust that their child is safe at school, uh, you know, and that they're actually there getting an education. But now they have to worry about this. And if they speak up against it, as you said, they're labeled domestic terrorists. So, mm -hmm. you know, Gays Against Groomers is going to school board meetings every week, multiple school board meetings a week. And we consider ourselves parents' greatest allies um, because and we want to be their voice where theirs are silenced. Um, and I think all of us together, united, will put an end to this insanity. Well said. Thank you. I have two more areas. I'm an athlete. Um, I don't brag about my accomplishments, any of my accomplishments, by the way. Uh, but just today I put up to address this issue. I, I suggested as a competitive athlete, having multiple world records, national records, state records. I have dozens and dozens of records. I haven't lost a race in 32 years. I just set two records in Florida this year alone. And uh, I've, it's uh, you know, again, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just showing that as a competitive athlete, my entire life, um, I see the difference between men and women in the same sport. And and the women in the track and field always had their own competition. We'd all run the same race, but then the women would be scored differently as it should have been. Because if you took uh, the greatest runner in history, uh, who won 10 marathons, 10 New York City marathons, and uh, Greta Weitz, uh, she would come in like 500th behind men. That's the big difference. And, right. and now we're seeing that a man identified as female in Canada 
and competed in the weightlifting and set a record by 400 pounds heavier than any woman in the sport has ever done. To put that in perspective, in the 1970s and 80s, rarely was a record broken in track and field, rarely. Then some people all began to break records at the same time. They were on steroids, all right, like uh, Johnson from Canada and others. One, one of them went to prison, one woman who won an Olympic medal. Just a small amount of that steroid, and Lance Armstrong, who won seven Tour de France's, he was disgraced when he had to acknowledge that, yeah, he was using these and lying about it. And then they got caught. And then you started seeing there was a famous baseball player. I'm sure you've heard of Babe Ruth. And then there was a person named Roger Maris who broke Babe Ruth's record. And then suddenly, in a period of like three years, all these baseball players were breaking the records and going way on beyond it. Again, hormones. So when you're using hormones, you have an advantage. So a young man has an advantage because of the amount of testosterone. Now you've got the, um, and you really had a smarly character, Keith Overman, who criticized the uh, woman who's out there talking about the discrepancies between men and women and the lack of fair competition. He's, oh, you're just not good enough. You're not fast enough. Yeah, she was one of America's fastest swimmers. Now she hasn't won a single race. Instead, a guy who is physically intact as a man using the, the dressing room, he suddenly is woman and athlete of the year. And all these other trends are women, women award of the year. What about the women athletes? Didn't we work for all those years? Barbara Seaman, one of the most famous feminists in world history, was my friend, my colleague, my co-author. All right, we wrote a huge book, 1,600 pages. You can look it up. And she said, we've got to help women, Gary. This goes back to the 1960s. We've got to help women be able to compete uh, against each other, not against men. And we finally got that. Finally, finally. And now all those records are gone. Every single competition, I don't care what it is. And the most brutal, did you see those three women who were beaten and had to be hospitalized in mixed martial art when a guy identified as a woman and went in there? The greatest woman boxer in history, and she was also one of the greatest kickboxers, she didn't last at anything. She went in against this guy who wasn't even a, wasn't even a high-ranking boxer, and he just beat her unconscious. So I don't want to see this. I don't want to see biological men beating women. What I do believe is correct. Let trans men and women have their own league. Official. They compete with each other, against each other. That's fair. Then let the men continue and the women continue to compete against each other. It's fair. But now the mainstream media and the government all support trans beating uh, being. Uh, you know, biological women. And that's not fair. I want you to talk about that. My second thing, which is also important, and it's, it's a little challenging to even discuss because we never hear this, is when I first came to the city, um, one of my friends, and I didn't know this for about six months, uh, I knew he was gay, but I didn't know that he was a drag queen. And he says, come and see it. Well, I went to see it and it was a hoot. I mean, this guy and all the rest, they got a standing ovation because one was a Judy Garland and Barbara Streisand and 
Carol Channing, and, and they not only looked the part, but they sounded it, and they had great sense of humor, and it was just a wonderful evening, right? And, uh, and it gave me a whole new understanding. But these were, you know, the, these were not groomers. That was just something they wanted to do, and they did it. Otherwise, the rest of their you know, days were just, they were living their normal life with their sexual preference. Fine. But recently, I played for my audience a clip that my audience did not like, but needed to see. A, a drag queen, uh, several, were performing before families, lots of them, I'm going to guess, they didn't show all of them, but I'm guessing about 50, 60 families, and all these young children. And what the gentleman said at the end, the drag queen was, kiss where the pee comes out. And I'm going, what? I mean, you don't do that. That's advocating, that's advocating pedophilia. Mm -hmm. And this actually happened. We have the tape, and yet the audience, the parents were applauding. And I'm thinking, how would you applaud a four-year-old being told to do that? Your thoughts on this and how this is also playing in to the gay prides and, and them positioning themselves. Again, I have nothing against uh, uh, drag queens at all. You know, in fact, I attended many of their, uh, their, in New York, there was a place in the uh, 40s where they would perform every night. I used to take friends there from out of town because they'd never seen anything like this. And it was, it was fun. But that's what then are drag queens doing, uh, doing this with children. That's different. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts on these two issues, please. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, uh, Drag entertainment is for adults. It always has been. Um, just recently, they decided to start involving children, um, even having children perform drag. Um, I myself, I've always loved um, drag shows. I think it's a, a great art, but it's always been for adults. And as an adult is, you know, adult bars and clubs are where I would, I would see these performances. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think, Drag entertainment is no, should not be in children's spaces. We protest this as Gays Against Groomers. Um, we have protested so many all age drag shows. Um, and it, it really is just, it's sexualizing children. It's exposing them to a man who is dressed up in over-exaggerated woman body parts, taking clothing off and receiving tips. I don't know any other scenario where that is appropriate for children. Um, actually, just recently we were protesting a all age drag show and I asked the police officers that were there, I said, if I were on stage right now doing exactly what this performer is doing in front of children, would I be arrested? And he said, yes. And I said, what is the difference between what is going on because they're a drag queen versus me doing that? So it, it doesn't make any sense. And I don't know why there's this sudden, you know, um, need to have drag queens in children's spaces and perform for, you know, children. I, I don't get it. And, um, you know, they, they are recently having drag queens read to children, read books about sexuality, sex, um, gender identity to, to like kindergartens kindergarteners so um yeah it's <laughs> disgusting um 
and you know it's you know it needs to be labeled as adult entertainment such as a burlesque show and you know or a strip club or a strip show <laughs> and um you know in florida they banned all age drag shows which was great it just it, there's there's no reason a child needs to see that um it's it's opening up doors for predators it's open it's making the child think it's okay to watch somebody take off their clothes and applaud and 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 give them tips um it's it's just it's really strange yeah and i think that the the reason behind it obviously is uh the push to normalize pedophilia uh, i think that that has been you know kind of the goal in society for a long time and the long game with all of this uh i didn't see it back then um but i see it crystal clear now um you know as, as sasha was saying it totally does get these children used to scenarios like that so if it were to happen in the home or if a stranger comes up to them and wants to you know touch them and dance for them and take some clothes off the child is going to be desensitized to that already and think it's normal i mean he, they're in a room with this happening with adults cheering and and patting them on the back you know as they give them tips and as they dance for them uh it's it's incredibly disturbing and i will speak on the women's issue with sports um you know all of this was common knowledge up until and just common sense up until five minutes ago for all of human history that men and women are biologically different um it's it's not a good or a bad thing it's just how we are designed uh men are bigger stronger faster than women and it's really sad to me to see i was an athlete growing up too i mean i never played in college or professionally but i could only imagine you know these girls work their entire lives they dedicate such a huge amount of their lives to bettering themselves and becoming the best in their field um in their sport just for a mediocre man or mediocre boy to come along and take their scholarship and take their opportunities and take their titles and their records uh and and that's what these are you know it's media mediocre males that like leah thomas uh before leah thomas started competing against women for the for your listeners that may not know uh leah thomas is a biological male that uh became a quote-unquote trans woman um, who then competed, uh, who swam in the women's league on the women's team um, in college. I believe it was Duke. I could be wrong about that, though. But uh, and, and he went on to win first place, of course. But prior to transitioning, um, still intact physically, um, prior to socially transitioning or just claiming he was now a trans woman he came in i believe 463rd place in the men's league and then he he hops over to the women's pool and he takes first place so it's an utter travesty it really is and i don't know where all the feminists are you know it, it, it people there are feminists speaking out against it and god bless them uh but the you know the feminist ink like the corporate media feminist movement is nowhere to be found. The Women's March can't even define what a woman is anymore. Remember the Women's March? That was just a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> Believe well, all women. Well, where did that go? It's like, as long as you identify within this community, you have total immunity. You can do whatever you like. You can hurt women, defeat women, and get awarded for it, quite literally. Are so you familiar with Dr. Naomi Wolf? Yes, yes, I am. Okay. As you know, Naomi Wolf was 
for 35 years and one of the leaders in the women's health movement specializing in talking about women's reproduction and their rights and the health of the women, etc. She was on the program recently. She said something that was rather startling. She said, the women's movement today has sold out. Now, mind you, she was the top woman in the entire women's movement for the last 15 years after the people like my friend Barbara Seaman died and Gloria Swanson retired and, uh, excuse me, um, uh, not Gloria Swanson, um, and uh, Betty Friedan and all the other probably 50 or 60 women who come up in the 1960s and 70s and were the second generation of feminists. And they're all gone, you know. Jermaine Greer, they're, they're all gone. She was the only one because she was young when she got in. They were all middle-aged or older when they got in. And so for the last 15 years, you didn't want to have a feminist on to talk about feminist issues. You invited her. She, she's a Rhodes Scholar, top of her class at Yale University, PhD from, uh, from Oxford University, and, uh, and a best-selling author. Now she says, the feminist movement, the women's movement, has turned its back on women. They should be protecting the idea that if you're a biological woman and you identify as a woman, you shouldn't accept the title of cis woman. Yeah. You know, you're a woman. Now, what your sexual preference is, is your business. It's your right. You're a sacred human being. You deserve to live your life in accordance with principles of ethics, morality that you choose. No one should come in there and say, well, you're not a real woman. Or the stupidity of these people getting in front of Congress saying, define a woman. Well, I can't define a woman. Why can't you? And so by, by taking away the power that the feminists have created and women have created and those who are lesbians within the gay movement have created, where's the controversy? For the last 40 years, there has been none. Show me, show me the, show me the gay man or the uh, the lesbian who's gone out there and done something really terrible, and embarrassed the whole group. You haven't had that. You've had individuals who've done some stupid things, but movements, they worked hard, they fought hard, and now, now they're being told you're not real. All right. There's yeah. no such thing as, and uh, there's no such thing as as a woman, biological woman, and now men who are identifying as women are now calling themselves lesbians. Mm -hmm. Well, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> how does I'm that so work? Glad. I'm so right. glad I met Sasha before this insanity really started. We met on a dating app and now all the lesbian <laughs> dating apps are filled with biological men. And yeah. it's like, yeah. uh, and we're called bigots if we have an issue with that. Yeah. <laughs> make it. Make I don't sense understand that at all. <laughs> no. I mean, if you, it. The last thing I think a lesbian would want is a intact biological man, right? Yeah, I think we yeah. Fought, we, we've already had to go through this, you know, telling men that we actually really don't, you know, we don't want them. And now we have to do it all over again. But you didn't have to do that for the last 50 years because you were respected for the choices you made. And in a society that believes people should have freedom of choice and respect that freedom of choice, suddenly all that they're trying to erase. They're trying to erase the entire history of the gay movement. And now yes, if you're if you're a traditional gay, you're somehow you're you're not acceptable. 
And I saw this. I saw this, how they attacked some leading lesbians who were also feminist. So I'm saying, and mind you, I've, I've, been, I've written four books on women's issues. Where are the women leaders of the feminist movement? As you mentioned, there are a few, but the movement, if this would have happened 20 years ago, you would have had millions of women immediately marching. You would have had some yeah. of the most educated leaders in all areas of society coming together and say, hold on a second, you don't have a right to call me a bigot. You don't have a right to say something negative and pejorative towards me because I don't agree with your reinterpretation of biological reality. Mm -hmm. but, but that's happening that, today. Yeah, it is. And, you know, if they, the feminists today, if they were to speak out, they would be immediately fired from their jobs. Yes. Given threats, they're, they'd be called transphobic and they would be canceled on, on everywhere. So that's, that's the issue. Yeah. And I think that, you know, this people are terrified of being labeled a bigot and losing friends and, and losing jobs. And it's scary. That's why I call these, this group, the alphabet mafia, they are literally a mob that are, you know, doing this to people and, and it's working sadly. So, but I think that courage is contagious. And the more that we're speaking up, the bigger we're growing, uh, the louder we're getting, the more people stand up and fight with us. So, you know, that's well, you the will have a, You will always have a form on this program to share Thank your you truth. So Last you. question for you. Most often on this program, we deal with health and medical issues, which frequently includes the widespread corruption and profiteering in the conventional medical industry. Everything today, including psychological disorders, is being medicalized. When a new mental health condition is invented in the DSM, the Diagnostic Cisco Manual of Psychiatry, it is ruled as a neurological brain disorder that gives a green light for a new drug to be developed or an older drug to be repurposed and approved through the FDA to extend the drug's patent life. What we are witnessing is that gender transition has become institutionalized in the federal health agencies, the professional medical associations, and then by extension into physicians' clinical practices. All I can suspect is that there must be some kind of overriding agenda behind this, as well as huge caches of funding. All of these LGBTQIA plus issues you're pushing back against have moved well beyond being a grassroots phenomena on social media, and not just in the United States, but across other developed nations, with few exceptions, such as Italy and Hungary, which currently have more or less traditional uh, conservative governments. Can you give us some insight into how this movement and ideology emerged, whereby now it permeates local school boards, classrooms, workplaces, and across the mainstream media networks almost overnight? where you or I or some other person qualified to speak on an issue are not even considered. Instead, it's an echo chamber of those who are all reading from the same talking points and therefore supported. Without this, they're not looking behind them to see that that silent majority is finding its voice. And you're talking about at least 200 million Americans. And now that they're awakening to see how crazy the woke in the industry is and the critical race theory in industry and the identity politics industries are and how they permeated themselves into almost every part of our life. And they're waking up saying, hold on a second. You're saying we shouldn't have parents. 
No. We, you want to uh, literally, you want to erase the word mom and dad, brother and sister, grandmother, grandfather, aunts and uncles. Yes. Wow. Well, well, we spent our whole time growing up respecting and honoring the tradition of the family. You don't need that anymore. We'll protect you. We're the government. We're an agency. Whoa. And that's what they're doing. And finally, after all these decades and a lot of frustration, hoping they would awaken, I believe that the eyes are opening, the ears are listening, and the mouth is about to talk. Your final thoughts on this, please. Um, right. I, I think that the motivation behind it is money. I think that, you know, whoever is at the tippy top, these global elites, I don't want to sound too conspiratorial, but there is, you know, there are always talking points that are sent out. There is an agenda to follow that, you know, it's it's lock and step. Um, so it, it leaves me to the conclusion that there, you know, this is highly coordinated at the top uh, coming down. And I think that the motivation is money. I think the motivation is also control. Um, and it's sad that now, you know, it's it's one thing to experiment on adults um, who may be able to discern for themselves what's going on. Uh, it's still incredibly wrong. It's a human rights violation. But to actually use children now as lab rats and to deceive them um, for profit and for nefarious agendas. Uh, you know, these people are truly, I believe, the most evil among us that could do this to them. Um, and we're grateful. We see people waking up just as much as you and, and the blood, you know, it's boiling over. People are going to stop caring what names they're being called mm -hmm. because they have to understand that children are on the line, an entire generation of children and the future thereby. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what's at stake. So. You know, we're, you. we're really grateful to people like you that are speaking out. It's just common sense. This has no hate at all. Uh, and, and I think that the people's claiming otherwise know it and they just use that to silence us. Mm -hmm. So and it's we're not going to let it happen anymore. Good for you. Thank you very much, Jamie uh, Mitchell and Sasha Lee for being on today. And again, and thank you so much for having us. Their website is gazeagainstgroomers.com. I'm Gary Knoll. Thank you all for watching and listening to the Progressive Commentary Hour, and have a nice day. Brother, brother, there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Father, father, we don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the answer. 